How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Pod save the queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen, the Daily Mirror's royal podcast. I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and I'm delighted to have another Pod Save the Queen debutante with us this week, a special guest, Amanda Deshaw, who is the editor of blogs. I'm sure a lot of you will know them already. What Would Kate Do, The Refined Side, and probably most recently, Megan's Mirror. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you for having me. And Amanda is based in Vancouver as well, so we'll be able to get a bit of the uh, transatlantic perspective on the big changes in the royal family and the arrival of Meghan Markle to the firm. Um, her her working life as a royal has begun in earnest now, really. So it's only just over three weeks since since she got married on that fabulous day in Windsor, and then. Finally, she made her appearance on the Buckingham Palace balcony with Prince Harry, plus all of the in-laws um, after the Trooping the Colour ceremony, which is the um, official celebration of the Queen's birthday. Um, the royal family were out in force. No Prince Philip, um, but everybody else was there. No Prince Louis either, but the little royals definitely uh, definitely caught the eye up on the balcony. We'll talk about that a bit, a bit more a bit later on. But... Um, Megan arrived. It was another, you know, sunny, gorgeous day. Riding it with um, with her husband Harry in a carriage again, um, and looking effortlessly glamorous. I think Amanda. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. Um, yeah, she she. You know, we weren't really a hundred percent sure what we were going to see. We knew it was going to be something quite subdued. You know, it's a very important engagement on the royal calendar. So we weren't a hundred percent sure and. She stepped, uh, you know, didn't step out, but walked out or didn't even walk out. She rode out. She rode out in that carriage and kind of took our breath away because she just looked every inch the royal perfect princess that we were expecting. And um, yet still not the stereotypical royal that we expected to see. She had the hat. She had the dress. But we also got to see some clavicle, some shoulder, which uh, was an unexpected touch, but still a great way that we saw as Meghan being able to incorporate Meghan Markle into the Duchess of Sussex and how she's going to be able to combine those from a fashion perspective going forward. There are lots of really interesting details about her outfits, I found. I thought the blush pink colour was slightly unusual. The oversized buttons sort of offset, unusual again. Um, and then the the neckline, her her interesting neckline seemed to be coming a signature style really quickly. 
Yeah, the boat neck. You, you can look back to the theory, the theory jacket that she wore, you know, just a few months ago now. It seems like forever ago, but just, you know, a few months ago. Um, and the wedding dress, of course, the other very famous boat neck line. So, you know, when someone's got shoulders that fabulous, I guess you want to show them off. Um, you know, the, the months and years of Pilates and yoga are really coming to fruition here. But uh, I think it's become a signature style, like you said, something that we'll continue to see going forward. We we weren't 100% sure about the dress when we saw it. It's a little unusual with the buttons, like you mentioned, a little late 90s, perhaps, in style, but also very much a bespoke look, something that is not available for sale anywhere. Nothing even very similar. There's some runway looks that are a little similar. Um, but yeah, it's, it was an unusual pick for her. And I think uh, some some people thought that the hat looked a little bit like. Um, do you have those sweets in in Canada as well? In the UFOs, they're sort of little um, sherbet uh, flat sweets with a big big lump on the side. I've heard of them. I've never seen them, but um, yeah, from traveling to Europe, I've heard of them. But no, I don't think they're readily available here. But yeah, it definitely looked like a flying saucer. <laughs> the hat, um, and there's a great debate, of course, about whether the hats are the same. Um, the two hats being, of course, the garden party hat versus the trooping of the color hat. And are those the same? Are they different? We believe that they're different, uh, very different. Um, you know, sorry, there's, there's, ve they're very similar, but they have different elements to them. So the size of the hat, the brim, the way that it's rolled. So they're both bespoke uh, Philip Treacy, but we believe that they are different. But the UFO hat remains. Maybe that's another style as well. And Fascinator, we'll see going forward. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I know after the wedding, there was, a, there was a string of articles over here about how to get deltoids like, like Megan. So the, the, you know, I, I, I think the deltoid is possibly that bit that joins your neck to your shoulders. And if you're lucky like Megan, it's it right. very elegant. So, uh, so I think sounds we'll probably... right. Yeah, I'm going to start doing push-ups every day. That's all I'm going to do now. So <laughs> keep seeing a bit more of that. And she styled her hair quite differently as well yeah you know it was yeah it wasn't the messy blowout or the messy bun um or even you know the the pulled back chignon with a couple of pieces pulled out that we saw at the wedding it was very much a sophisticated loose curl look but still very glamorous and there was a lot of chatter that's been going on about she touched her hair too much she didn't touch her hair or you know, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, I think it actually worked really well with the neckline. If you had had her hair up um, with that neckline, it may have been a little too much. We would have seen too much skin. It would have been a little off. So by actually having her hair fall over her shoulders, it kind of created a little bit more subtlety um, in and of itself with that look. And uh, we saw another lovely moment um, between Harry and Meghan when they got up on the up on the balcony and you know they they obviously still in the very early stages of their relationship never mind you know their marriage never mind their relationship as it were um and uh, the big eyes that she makes at him all of the time and there was, again the photographers have managed to capture her looking up at up at him and then I think there's another picture during the fly past everybody else is looking up up at the skies and Me and Harry's looking down at Megan watching watching her watching the plane seemingly which is very very sweet yes it is it shows that there's obviously a real love connection here this wasn't a marriage of convenience this wasn't marriage that was arranged it was definitely one that you know they both 
are lovingly walking into. And that's such a great thing to see. I think it's just heartwarming for anyone to see a couple in love, to see them so happy. Um, and it's nice to be able to see that for Harry, who's been such a fan, a fan favorite in the royal family. And also for Megan, for those of us who have been you know, tracking her over the years, to see her so happy um, is also a really great thing. And my favorite moment from that balcony is if you, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's some uh, dis dissection of the video from a mouth reader or a. Oh a yes, lip we reader, did. That was a us. Reader. That we was did, you. Of yeah, we did. We we known. spoke to a lip reader on on Sunday, and um, she kindly watched back the video and picked up some of the little snippets that she could catch when they were when they were looking at the um, at the screen. And then it's been widely followed up all around the internet. So clearly, clearly, we did a good, okay job on it. So you did a, you did a, you did an excellent job. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 I thought that was a really nice moment showing that there's a lot to learn for Megan. I mean, Canadians and Americans, I think by definition are a little bit more relaxed about some of our traditions and the, you know, the, the amount of tradition that is involved in the amount of, you know, rules and, you know, potential faux pas that go into the Royal family. I think Megan's got a steep learning curve ahead of her and it's really nice to see, that Harry is there supporting her and really a part of this journey with her and not just, she's not just been thrown to the wolves or left to her own devices. Yeah, for, the, for those of you who haven't um, seen the sort of dissected video or, or read our story, the one of the things that the lip reader picked up was that Harry kept checking in with Megan, are you okay, are you okay, sort of repeatedly along, along the way. And then also letting her know that that there would be a fly past sort of explaining how everything would progress from when they got up on the balcony which i would imagine she would have she would have been briefed on that beforehand but the reality of getting up on that balcony and seeing the other people that have gathered to see the royal family on the balcony to see the planes flying over to you know you've just been in a parade with hundreds of soldiers on horses and all the all the grandeur <laughs> then the actual running order of the day it probably would fly out of your head so him sort of pointing up to the skies then we all look up and the planes come over was was really was really lovely um and the children were all well prepared for the fly past as well of the airplanes they'd all been given little books um to spot which airplane was which um, but Charlotte managed to drop drop her somewhere over the balcony or or down the down the back. <laughs> so that's that's why she was having a, a little moment up on the balcony. And then George and Savannah, they were they were properly being cheeky little monkeys up there. Yes, they were adorable, weren't they? Just it's so it's so great to see the kids just being kids, right? And of course, there's the the throwback. I think it was even a throwback to when Harry put his hand over a relative's mouth up on the balcony years and years ago. But I think it just shows that they, the kids actually spend a lot of time together. They obviously have good relationships. And there's obviously a lot of time that the family spends together. And I think that's a wonderful thing to see. We don't see that so often. Families are often far apart you know, not having the time that they manage to spend together. And I think that's really delightful. And I think that's heartwarming for all of us to see that these kids are still having normal relationships with their cousins and they're loved and everyone is having such a great time up there. What did you make of Kate's outfit? So she was in McQueen again, ice, icy blue or powder blue, depending how you like yeah. to call it. Yeah, the very first thing I noticed was that I did not look that trim that point after having my son. I don't know how she does it, but she looked fantastic. She looked like there had not even been a pregnancy just mere months ago. 
Um, I thought the dress was quite beautiful. I love the color on her, the ice blue, the fascinator was also very appropriate. I think it's that square neckline is also becoming something that she's a little bit more fond of for these very formal events. There's been a lot of people pitting Megan versus Kate or, you know, Kate versus anyone else. And I think that there's, there's, there's some benefit to that by looking at, you know, the difference in their roles, the difference in the two women themselves. But there's very different people. And I think that they have a really good relationship. If you look at the video and the, you know, the photos that have emerged, you can see the two women, Kate and Megan, having good conversation. And I bet that goes into things like fashion, about talking what they were going to wear. A lot of the royal women wore blue. So I'm sure that there was some kind of communication about that beforehand. But I thought Kate looked fantastic, looked every inch the future queen of England or queen consort of England. And, you know, she has a very different role to play than Meghan in the royal family. And I think that's where we're going to start to see a lot of their styles divulge. And the her hat this time, it was it's quite a classic Kate style, really, I think now, isn't it? With a, a relatively sharp, upturned fascinator with a big flowery type decoration underneath. Is Juliet Bottrell, who is the designer, is that a new name for Kate? Um, I believe she started out at Philip Tracy. So whether Kate had worked with her previously on her Philip Tracy hats and then has now followed Juliet Bottrell out into fashion land. Yeah, I believe it's the first time she's worn one for, you know, from Juliet herself. But like you mentioned, she's probably worked with her in the past. I think that um, it was a... I really quite enjoy the hat, actually. It was, I, Megan's hat is very subdued, very minimalist, which is ironically very much Megan. So it's, if you're looking for something that's in line with Megan's personal style, the hat that she chose is perfect. And if you actually look at the, the version of the hat that Megan had uh, customized, there is a big flower embellishment on the underside of it, much like Kate's, that Megan had removed. So whether that's just, you know, because Megan wanted the simple hat or she didn't want to, you know, overstep and outshine her sister-in-law, we'll never know. We'll never really know. We know the, the level of that communication. But I think it's really interesting how Kate has developed these, you know, relationships with designers. And even though she's got a very, you know, a very routine set of designers that she goes to for her clothes, she's still able to find new designers and promote workers you know work workers of the british fashion uh, industry absolutely and it's going to be really interesting to see who becomes megan's palette of designers i think you know i think we're already getting a bit of a, a flavor of some of the people but you know i'm sure there'll be lots more to come and the fact that the uh, we've got the first details of the first royal tour i mean i think it was pretty much expected that the destinations would be australia and new zealand and maybe a couple of other places so the other places are fiji and tonga which will um coincide with the invictus games and that i mean that's going to be a longish tour realistically and that means lots of outfits lots of suitcases lots of (laughs) hat boxes and coat bags and goodness knows so it sure uh, does yeah it, it, it's it's always really fun to watch a royal tour because you really get to see a lot. You get to see how much work goes in to the thought process behind the clothes that these women wear, or even just the uh, the, the intricacy of the itineraries that they have to go through. Um, so we love to see the choices they make. We love to see how you know Megan undoubtedly will 
feature Australian designers, much like Kate does speaking sartorially through fashion. Megan will find Commonwealth designers from Australia that will be able to benefit from her influence. I mean, she's worn several Australian designers already. Um, Oriton is one example. She wore a bag from that company. And that company was very recently on the verge of bankruptcy, had serious financial difficulties. And the Megan effect hit. And now they're, you know, they're saying that they're going to be able to recover. So I think, you know, she's going to be able to find more brands like that from Australia um, and really focus the showcase on that. And that's what's exciting for us. We get to all learn new designers who we may have never heard about before, would it not for the publicity that Megan will bring for, to them. Because looking at the outfits that Kate has worn on tours, her tours have changed her wardrobe fundamentally. You look at Erdem, who first appeared on the Canadian tour, Roxander first appeared on the Australian tour. I'm sure there's others as well that I'm I'm forgetting. But, you know, it is an opportunity to really explore international fashion and shake up um, shake up the names that you're wearing. Absolutely. I, I, I know that I was quite excited to see Kate and Chanel when they were in Paris, right? Because that's such an iconic Parisian designer. Um, and it's just really exciting to see the nods that these women pay to brands um, that otherwise we, I mean, we obviously all know who Chanel is, um, but you know, some of the smaller brands that they choose to tip their hat to. Great example um, is St. Taylor that Kate wore on the Canadian tour. That is a very, very um, common theme in Megan's wardrobe. She's a huge proponent of the designer. We've worn several of their coats. Um, And St. Taylor before Kate wore them was really only known in Canada in a very small upper end section of the luxury coat market. And now they're an internationally known brand. They're opening stores all over the place. So brands like that are really able to take advantage of the Megan and or Kate effects. Um, We should mention as well, Prince William is um, going on a tour next week to the Middle East. So he's going to Jordan, Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories. Um, Obviously a major Mm -hmm. historical event, Uh, less interest or appropriateness in what he in discussing what he's wearing. (laughs) I think there's he's he's uh, uh, escaped that uh, that burden of having to decide his wardrobe very, very, very carefully. Um, But Russell Myers, who is uh, holding the fort since since Victoria left and is following the royal beat, um, he will be going out there with Prince William. Russell's going to his first royal engagement on Thursday when um, Meghan goes with the Queen to Chester. So you can follow Russell at RJ Myers. That's M-Y-E-R-S. I'm sure he'd be glad to have some royal followers to join him on the on the trip to Chester. He isn't going on the royal train, unlike Meghan and the Queen. So, I mean, that'll be some experience for Meghan as well. Because I was, I was thinking last week, you know, it's one, it's one thing to go to an event with your gran, your grandmother-in-law, um, who is the Queen. Yeah. But then it's kind of something else again to have the travelling to and fro. That's quite a lot of intense time and if you think about the people that you travel with generally who there are people that you really can't travel well with even even though you get on perfectly well in normal life the idea of spending a couple of hours on a train fills you with dread so I mean will they sit and talk to each other will the queen be reading the racing post you know the mind the mind boggles (laughs) what will they be up to oh to be a fly on the wall of that train um yeah but it's it's really I I think it's a really nice and heartfelt move by the Queen to invite Meghan 
so early on in her royal career, if you will, um, to attend an event like this and a, a series of events like this. And I think it's really indicative of the amount of support that she's getting from the royal family. And I like to think, you know, from everything that we have, you know, spent hours collaborating with people who have worked with Megan, we've spent at years, you know, documenting Megan's style, Megan's fashion, and talking to people who have worked with her, she is a down-to-earth, delightful human being. There's not anyone who's saying anything contrary to that. And I really think that she will, you know, relish the time that she gets to spend with the queen in that one-on-one setting. And I think it'll be quite awe-inspiring as well to see the full extent of the trappings and the regality that surrounds, you know, a trip with the queen. There is just so much where the standard goes, where where everything needs to happen, you know, the, all the the pomp and circumstance that surround, you know, just a visit. I can't imagine. I, I can imagine that she's very overwhelmed, but um, I also think that she's got a good relationship with the queen already. Um, one of my favorite moments from the, you know, the lead up to the royal wedding was seeing Meghan's dog in the car with the queen. She's obviously got a very good relationship um, with her. And I think it'll be really delightful to see the two of them together. Absolutely. So they, when they are there, they will be opening the Mersey Gateway Bridge. Um, they're going to the Story House Theatre and Library and they're having lunch at the Town Hall, which sounds, you know, very sort of <laughs> classic. So um, for, for those, of us, those of you who aren't sure, so Chester is up in the up in the northwest near Liverpool and Manchester, that corner. So um, it'll be a, a new part of the country for Meghan to visit as well. Um the polo we got to see the cambridges out and about on sunday um megan and harry weren't weren't there yeah. harry's a, harry is a polo lover but he wasn't at, wasn't at that one um and you know the trooping the color it must have taken it out of people it was a big day lots going on um but the little children they they didn't care they were running about charlotte was doing headstands escaping down a bank while Kate desperately tried to hang on to her to stop stop her tearing off um <laughs> George had clearly forgiven Zara for trying to shut him up on the balcony they were playing away quite happily and then he was playing with a water pistol that someone had won at the uh at the event as well and and from from a queen on the on the Saturday Kate was back to sort of high high street best with Zara on on Sunday and still looking effortless I think I actually liked her Sunday outfit better than her her Saturday outfit I thought she looked really relaxed where she looked a bit button, buttoned up on Saturday I mean I know it's I know it's a formal event but she did she looked quite there was, a bit, there was a bit I thought she might look look a little bit tired like the baby might have had a bad night on the uh going into the Saturday but I thought she's Sunday she just looked like it's the summer I'm a mum I'm just having a day out with my kids and life is fine and you've obviously been writing about Kate for a a long time how has it compared now for you the arrival of Megan so what what when we start when we first started writing about Kate what we found was that we were writing right after she had joined the royal family. So a lot of our readers were very interested in the royalty aspect of Kate. When we started writing about Meghan, we started covering her back in 2016. That was before there was a public, you know, confirmation of a relationship. It was when Meghan still had very active social media accounts. It's when she still ran her blog, The Tig. And we started to see a lot of women come to Megan because of her style specifically. 
She's a very minimalist style. She's a fan of French style. She likes the uniform dressing, the very minimal style that a lot of women have been able to relate to. After the engagement, we started to see a very different type of reader come to our blog. In addition to the readers before, we started to see people who had no interest in the monarchy, you know, not even a huge interest in fashion in, in a historical perspective, but people who were interested in Megan. Megan is a role model. Megan is someone to look up to. Megan is someone who is, a, you know, of a visible minority. Megan is someone who is, of course, half African American and half white. We started to see a lot of people from the United States that were looking for female role models of color be very interested in Megan, not because necessarily she was marrying into the royal family, but because she's such an outspoken woman on issues like female empowerment. She's, you know, very successful in her own right as an actress. And you can see if you had followed her before, she started out, you know, she mentioned in numerous times that she was a starving actress who had $10 in her pocket and a car that she wasn't sure was going to get her to an audition. She's, she came from very humble beginnings. And they look now to the end of this fairy tale. And it's something that I think everyone loves is a is a fairy tale. Everyone likes to believe in the idea of a fairy tale. And that seems to be a lot of these new people who are very interested in Megan. And those those readers, those women have also then become, you know, attracted to other aspects of British life, other aspects of royalty, learning about it, trying to get a good sense of what Megan's new life looks like. And that's been very interesting for us as uh, blog editors is when we're trying to write articles, when we're writing about Kate, for example, that's, it's pretty obvious who she is, what she is. Our readers are very accustomed to tradition, but on Megan, um, on the Megan's Mirror site, it's very different. If we're right, people will ask us questions like, why on earth is she wearing that hat? Why does she have to wear that hat? Why would anyone want to wear that hat? Like, why can't she just not wear a hat? Um, and you have to kind of explain a little of the British tradition, why, you know, why that happens. People were very curious about why there were no bridesmaids uh, that were adult women in the wedding, which in North America, if your bridesmaids and your bridal party are usually a maid of honor and some girlfriends who stand up with you. Whereas, you know, in the UK, traditionally, it's the children. And Charlotte is considered a bridesmaid, for example. So a lot of new people coming into the interest of Meghan and by default, then the royal family and all that goes along into it, but very, very much different uh, perspectives. And we love that. It's great to be able to introduce that to people. It's great to be able to share that with people. And I also think it's wonderful that Megan is acting as a role model now for so many people because she is so powerful in her messages of female empowerment, of equality, of, you know, gender breaking down. She published an artist, an article on menstruation. She's really, really strong in who she is. And I hope other women, I know that I've been inspired by that message and I hope other women have been as well to find ways that they can make a difference in their communities and in their groups of friends, their families, based on that kind of, uh, Megan's kind of mantra and uh, way of life. Because Kate kind of missed out on that opportunity to develop, well, certainly a public perso personality before she became the wife of the future king. She, we've always yes. known, we've always known her 
attached for want of a better word to William we've known her by extension of William if if she hadn't been Prince William's girlfriend we would have never have known her but they also got together when they were really quite young um and they've they've grown up together as adults and Mm -hmm. Megan's had this whole other life there's a life before Harry there's an there's a public life before Harry and we've got to know her and as you say it's it is um interesting and there there's kind of more there to work with and it will be really interesting to see how the royal family harnesses that hopefully rather than trying to suppress it and everything that Harry's been saying so far and all of the causes that it appears like she's going to be getting involved with it does seem very much like they see that whole package that they're getting with Megan as a positive and yeah. they're going to use her her power for good essentially absolutely and I think you hit it right on the nail on the head with the full package she's she's gorgeous she'll look great as a you know um wearing British clothes and an ambassador of the British um you know fashion industry but she's also a really intelligent woman who has strong views who was raised by an intelligent woman who has is just the like you said the full package that's really all that it boils down to she can speak intelligently about charitable causes while looking fantastic in a Marks and Spencer top right she's the full package and I think she's really going to be the first step in the modernization of the of the royal family women have not been allowed to really say much about anything the the, the royal family is very historically quiet on issues of political, you know, sensibility, sensitivity, I should say. And I think Megan, you know, just coming out and saying that she supports female empowerment or the Me Too movement, where just coming out and saying that, whereas Kate, for example, you know, were, were, you, know you have to kind of try and decipher what her look is actually meaning. Is the dress black? Is it not black? Is the ribbon black? Is that for Me Too? Or is that not for Me Too? where you have to try and decipher it. Whereas Megan, you know exactly where she stands on everything. Um, and that's really quite different. And I really hope that she's able to continue down that path. And I was wondering as well, maybe her level of confidence and her, her sort of comfort in the public eye, whereas Kate, it's something she's kind of grown into, certainly in the public speaking sense. She's not always been hugely comfortable, maybe a bit shyer in that aspect. Well, probably a lot of people are a bit shyer <laughs> yeah. in that aspect than than Megan. But the fact that Megan is so self-assured and she's always come over so well in everything she's done so far while at the same time recognising, wow, some of these moments really are big, and you can see it does affect her, that level of confidence that probably helped that the Queen wanted to invite her to join her on on an engagement. And potentially also, if you are someone who is that confident and you're used to being in the thick of things and being involved, if you don't get invited for a while, you're probably there thinking, hmm, I've done something wrong, when am I going to get invited? When's it Mm -hmm. my go? When's it my go? A bit impatient to to get really started yeah and you know she's Megan like you mentioned she's self-assured she's got a lot of confidence and if nothing else she's an actress she can act the part (laughs) right better than anyone else so but I think it's also really nice that the queen is wanting to step in and wanting to make sure that she has that level of comfort it's it's still you know even if you're used to crowds and paparazzi taking photos of you 
it's a very different thing than walking down the street with the Queen of England or going to lunch at the town hall with the Queen of England. It's still in the back of her mind. I, I often think that she must still be thinking that sometimes of look where I am, look what I'm doing, look what look look where I've at wound up in life. And that's some that has to be overwhelming, at least on a maybe she's gotten over it. I don't know. But I would think that these these moments would have to have a lot of impact to her. How on earth did this happen? <laughs> yeah, what, what? Yeah, exactly. Where? What path did I take that took me here? Wow. Yeah. Um, can you give our British listeners a bit of a sense of the scale of interest in um, Canada, where I know you're based, and um, and in well, in the USA more more generally, if if you can, how present are the royals in the news cycle? now or Megan or and how has it compared do they is there a, a heightened level of interest because they have their own member of the royal family absolutely so I can I'll speak to Canada first and then the U.S. so my partner Christine is based in the U.S. so very familiar with it um, and I spend very, quite a lot of time down there so I can speak to both but for Canada what a lot of Canadians have felt um, is actually a bit of a sense of ownership or a sense of, you know, they, they really believe Megan loved her time in Toronto. She spoke about her time in Toronto. She spoke about it as being her adopted hometown. She talked about loving Canada and Canada loved her in return. They see her as, you know, their princess um, as their duchess and they really have come to rally around her. So I was in Toronto recently and anyone who had ever talked to Meghan Markle is willing to talk to you about how great she was. You can go and see, you know, various places that she loved because it was also well documented on social media, restaurants she loves, stores she loves. You can really get a sense of who she is from that. And a lot of Canadians have really gravitated towards that because she promoted Canadian tourism. She spent time with our prime minister, Justin Trudeau. She loved a lot of the outdoors elements of Canada, and she often spoke of them so fondly. So Canadians have really rallied around that fact. We see Meghan on the news cycle. There was huge attention to the royal wedding. I mean, we're a Commonwealth country here in Canada. We obviously all, um, you know, are interested in the royal family as they are also the monarchs for us. However, there's an interest in Megan that goes beyond that just because there's some kind of sense of her being North American, at least. Um, and, you know, obviously she's not born in Canada. She's not a Canadian citizen, but we've, we've taken some kind of ownership of her. And on the other hand, you have the our neighbors down south, the Americans, who also have taken ownership of Megan because she is American. So there's a lot of sense of of, of pride and I think what a lot of people in the States have been looking for is a role model of a minority and a woman who's standing up against a lot of the challenging political issues in the U.S. There's a lot of issues around racism. There's a lot of issues around, you know, the economic position of people of minorities. There's a lot of discussion around race. There's a lot of discussion around women's rights, around empowerment. And a lot of those issues are ones that Megan is very vocal about and that Megan has acted as such an ambassador and such a great, elegant ambassador for those causes that a lot of women have really rallied around her as being so successful and she's living now this fairy tale and they want to be a part of that they want to look for the hope and the excitement that comes 
with being Meghan Markle. And if you can grab a little bit of that for yourself, it's really quite empowering is the message that we're hearing. And a lot of people are saying, of course, it's the the American fairy tale. It's the new Grace Kelly. It's very much something that everyone has really gravitated to as well. There's a lot, a lot of interest about Meghan. There's a lot of speculation that one of their, you know, early royal tours after Australia would be to the US, would be to California, just because of that's where Megan's from. There's so much interest there. You know, William and Kate famously went to Los Angeles. So there's a lot of talk about, you know, William, about Harry and Megan doing the same thing. But there's just a tremendous amount of attention to her over here because both countries uh, are willing to say that they're, she's ours, she's ours, um, even though for very different reasons, obviously. Um, and and it's been really interesting for us to see that level of attention in North America. Very interested in Kate traditionally in the United States and in Canada are tradition people who look towards the monarchy, who have an interest in that, who have an interest in, you know, the hardcore fashionistas who are interested in specifics about what Kate's wearing. But it, Megan has a much broader appeal because people aren't just interested in her clothes. And let's face it, they are very interested in her clothes. We love that they're very interested in their clothes and that's part of what we love covering about her. But they're also interested in her as a person and in her causes and in the, what she stands for because we've been able to get to know her. We know what that is versus Kate where we, we know obviously she believes in men's initiatives as she's now founded this, the Royal Foundation with William and Harry and, and now Meghan. But we don't know much about her, like you mentioned earlier, other than what we've been given about her. Whereas Megan, we have a really good sense of who she is and where she comes from and what she stands for. Well, it's a very exciting time um, to be watching the royal family and writing about it and talking about it. And I'm delighted that um, you've been able to join us today, Amanda. Thank you so much. It's been fascinating talking to My you. My pleasure. And hopefully we might speak to you again in the future at some stage, particularly particularly maybe if there's a Canadian tour along the line, then that would be a great time oh. to catch up again. But, Absolutely. Um, in the, in the meantime, if you've listened to the podcast and enjoyed it, then thank you very much. Do let us know by, uh, you can tweet me at Anne Gripper, but we would love to get a review or a rating on iTunes as well. That would mean a lot. So um, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Russell Myers will be making his podcast debut and uh, we'll be talking all about the Chester visit and the upcoming tour of Prince William because it is going to be a very interesting one. So thank you for joining me and until next time. Pod save the Queen! 